Yeah, talking about liquidiv.com, promo code Nooners at checkouts. You see us drinking it on the show every single day. Where would we be, Japes, without Liquid IV in our lives? Dehydrated, we'd have headaches, we'd be tired, yeah. exhausted. Yep. Not be able to get through the day, get through work. We'd be sick all the time. I'd be hungover. <laughs> Every single day. Love the liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks out there, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's just a little tiny stick full of powder. Pop it in 16 ounces of water. You're good to go. What's your reckon, Jabes? Double or triple hydrated? I would say double. I'd say triple. What? Nay. I'll say triple today. Huge fan of Liquid IV. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration. With Liquid IV, get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Nooners at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Nooners at liquidiv.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ross Patterson Revolution! Welcome to the Ross Patterson Revolution. Is it, it's Thumb, right? It is Thumb. Thumb. Yeah. thumb. Are you pronouncing that H? Um, not really. No, were your, were your parents big H? They H were happy? big fan. They were big fans of the H. Because it's T-H-O-M. Yeah, it is T-H-O-M. Thumb, thumb, thumb Russo. Yeah. You don't really pronounce the H, but you say Thumb. Yeah. Kind of. Because back in the day, I heard they said your name and then they wrote it down. Did your mom have a lisp? Because that's And that's the last we'll talk about it. Um, you know, is I it a family I name? Can't, I can't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, welcome, uh, kids. We got a hot one tonight. I, I'm, jo- I'm, I'm joined by Tom Russo. Uh, how many Grammys have you been nominated for? 80, 85? Oh, boy. Do we have to talk about that? We're gonna, that that's what we're going to lead with because it's what you do. Uh, that's what you do. Zoink. That's what you do. Zoink. But it's a big question. That's it a big, is. How many? How many? Um, you know the number, too. Don't lie. You know the fucking number. To be honest? Yes. I've won in total 16. There's, I think, three or four of the Anglo, um, four. And then 12 um, Latin Grammys. But I really don't know about the nominations, and I should find out. Anglo. Is that what we're calling Our American Grammys. They they range. Anglo. From, well, the reason, they're, they're, Anglo is the, the kind of like nickname, but they're really the American Grammys, and here's why. Sure. I don't know why. They come from 
you know, Anglo-Saxons. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, not the Anglos. No, I mean when they say the Americans, it, it's an American. Nerissa sort of comes from the America. Uh, it's U.S. thing, but you know, obviously, it's given to to Brits or the Blahs or the Blahs, anybody sure. from all around the world. Sure. So, so it's really, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's not technically called Anglo. I don't know what the how they differentiate. But no, let's just call it the white supremacy. So you've won four white supremacists. There you go. Yeah, let's yeah. call it like white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. It's much easier. By the way, non brown. I've, I've never had a bottle of wine just drinking out of uh, a bottle drinking? of wine on the show. Mm-hmm. Drinking. Drinking. Um, but I'm going to yes. now because we're in. We're in yeah. a rock star studio. That's we're right. in a, we're that's in how a we fucking roll. studio. That's what you do. That's how, you don't use dr- glasses. No, you don't. How many drugs have been done in this? Be honest. Oh, you on a on a scale of one to Dana Plato. How many drugs have been done in here? Mm. <laughs> mm? Um, you mean today? Yeah, collect- collectively. <laughs> collectively a lot, right? Um, more prescription than anything. Um, that's, a, that's a biggie, by the way. We've yeah. talked about this on the show. That's a biggie, the prescription. Oh, it's the biggest nowadays. That's what, I, that's, that's yes. what everybody says. Yeah, let's not get political about that, but of course it is. Yeah. It's easy. Uh, is, yeah. is there something to get political about? Like Prescription drugs are hard to get. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. No, they aren't. Yeah, and we live in North Carolina, right? Okay. I, I uh, I'll tell you a brief story about how hard it is. This is I, great because I never thought we would segue to this. I know. This is awesome. I know. Yeah. I, but that—that's what happens. Yes, that's what happens. So yeah. I had a, I had this crazy. Uh, what was the skin rash called? Jables. Uh, AIDS. Yep, I had right. AIDS. Right. Uh, okay. no, what was the, What's the next one? What did I really have? Psoriasis. Nope, not even close. Uh. AIDS. You can't even name uh, what I had. Uh, it was a bunch of bumps on the poison side. ivy. No, it was like poison it's ivy, like, but uh... come on, Jesse. Shingles. Shingles. That's what I had. Shingles. There it is. So I, I got it. I had shingles, shingles as as a, as a as a young man in his thirties, and that's the doctors. Nasty. I, I know, and yeah. the doctors misprescribed it because they were like, like, "There's nobody. There's no way anybody your age has shingles. shingles." Yeah. Um. Okay. So, anyways, I was in so much pain, it felt like there was a lighter being held to my skin. Yeah, it's rough. And yeah. I was like, "You got to give me something. Got to give me some pills. I can't. Something. I can't even sleep. Yeah. I can't. No. I had to go physically to a hospital, check into the hospital, um, in in North Carolina for them to give me the proper pills for it. And they said hmm. because there was such a huge op- opioid problem, that the states one by one, and California was the last one to topple. <laughs> That's it, it was getting harder and harder, and they don't they don't have regulations on it. So getting those type of shit these days is really hard. Yeah, do you yeah. have Obamacare? I no, because um, you can't get that on the bronze plan. No, I get it, but but also, I mean, my opinions though. I mean, this is going to circle into my personal opinion, of course. Like, look, th- it, prescription medication. It is the number one addictive drug. Hands down, it's the number one. You wouldn't say heroin. Like I, I would think heroin. Is. No, it's 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 def. It's prescription medication in this country. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, no, it's, I, I, you hear about it all the time, so it makes sense. It absolutely. I just have a hard time where and it's just like everybody keeps saying oh, heroin. People get hooked on heroin. Like you yeah. Know? Well, of course, but I would ne- think that's number one. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, Tom. I've never pretended to be one. I understand. Uh, Ross. Well, I mean, I have. Yeah. I was on spring break once, and I pretend. But it, like, I get it. And I was I, I was it. really good at, at diagnosing things. Yeah. Uh, but we're not we're not here for that. Yeah, tonight. I did that a little too. But you know, yeah, I don't know. We're easing off in it. my younger days. You know how we start the show? Tell me. Sponsors. We have some sponsors who pay for oh, this fucking thing. Oh snap! Do you believe it? <laughs> I believe. You, like I believe in miracles. I believe in sponsors. Yeah, I know how it works. So yeah. first up off the bat, uh, straightrazors.com. Did you see the mustache I had? 
I did at one point. It was a gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous mustache. And how did you remove that? Straightrazors.com. I'm I glad you asked that. I knew it. Bango. I knew it. Yeah, I've got a little segue Sally with me today, and I like it a lot. <laughs> um, I use straightrazors.com. Uh, number one aftershave, number one cologne. Best razors in the biz. In the biz? Yeah. It, the biz it, they, they've got kits that are from, it looks like they're from the 1800s, like Tombstone. Classy as shit. That is It's like a nice fun. gift if you're getting like a dude another dude gift. How come no one gets me that? I, I'll get it for you. Please. Yeah, but they're, when you use a straight razor, be careful. Mm-hmm. Be care- you don't go underneath, by the way. I was going to say, you stay go away from yeah, the yeah. buttocks. Stay, yeah, stay that can be a little the, like, yeah. The, the, yeah. the satchel page, yeah, if you will. Exactly. Those um, jewels de familia. The goose. <laughs> yeah, stay away from the goose down there. That's right. Uh, go to straightrazors.com. Use the promo code REVOLUTION. You get 20% off, which is a nice do. thing. You do. Do you guys get that? REVOLUTION. REVOLUTION. Straightrazors.com. 20% off. Yeah. Next up, strikeforceenergy.com. It's a tasty, tiny oh. little tin pouch of energy. Goes in at every single liquid you can imagine. Okay. Boom, you're jacked up for five, ten hours. Just what I wanted. You don't even need a can. Yeah. It's a fucking energy drink. Um, and it's amazing. Right. Is so what put it that is. in espresso, and here we go. It's so good, you'll it'll make you repronounce that H in your name. That's how crazy you get on it. Exactly. You're like, oh, fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. They have a subscription of the Month Club. They ship everywhere in the entire world. Use the promo code REVOLUTION. You of know what course you get? You, you get 20% off. That's what right. you get, Tom. Hey, have you here's it's what's it called strike force strike force yeah okay so here's my big question now have you ever done a lot of strike force and then used your straight razor oh yeah because that would be a deadly combination shaking like michael j fox about to go on stage at a parkinson's convention like that's i was i was like oh my gosh i I am i am jacked up i am jacked the fuck up and by the way i can say that at home my grandfather had Parkinson's. I'm in the club, you know. Yeah, exactly. it's like, oh yeah, my friend's black. That's that's that. Like, I, I get it. to use the Parkinson's. Thing. I understand. Uh, next up, uh, Jabe's. What, what, what's the third sponsor? Do you remember? Oh, you forgot it. She's terrible with things, by the way. There it is, CarnivoreClub.co. Oh, this was the one that was my favorite. I know it's uh-huh. the meat of the month club. A meat of the month. The tastiest, yes, finest meats all over the world, delivered. Straight to your doorstep. You don't even have to go anywhere. And you're a vegetarian, aren't you? I am. Uh, Thus, I really don't have to go anywhere. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. I'm the opposite. Okay. You know what the opposite of a vegetarian is? A guy who eats meat all day in his it, bathtub? Yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> in his bathtub. He never leaves his bathtub. I don't leave the bathtub. He just sits. Out of shame. Right. Out of shame, I sit in the bathtub and I eat it because yes. as soon as that box comes, I eat the fuck out of it. That's so right. You're going you're, you're gonna to want to go to carnivoreclub.co. Got it. Type in the promo code REVOLUTION. It's that co? Co. It's a dot I like, co. I like it. It's I nice. like the co's, yeah. Because they're like, hey, I don't need that fucking M. Who needs another letter? Who needs Hey, Tom. You know what I'm saying? Who needs another letter? That's you're true. living proof I'm of it. I'm going to change my You're name. living proof of it. Get rid of that letter. Get rid of that letter. Go to yeah, carnivoreclub.co. <laughs> promo code REVOLUTION. Boom, mm. 20% off. Exactly. Last but not least, I got, I got a book out. Yes. Uh, at night she cries while he By the way, when you're done eating the meat, then just stop and save the animals. Save anyway, the animals. Yes. Save the animals. Save the animals. Save the animals. Save the animals. Okay, like they penguins. Got a, they got a rare giraffe this month that is giraffe meat that is delightful. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's no traffic. No, but you. Know, but there is. Have you ever been to those? Now we're really segueing. Yeah. Ever been to those like game restaurants? The really, really wild you ones. You know, close. There was a restaurant in Vegas where they bring meat meats out on a stick. Okay. Uh, different meats like lamb, steaks. But uh, the really obscures. There was one. Th- this one wasn't obscure, but it, it was racks of meat where it's just like I mean they literally just cut it off 
on your plate and then walk away. Wow. It's like, holy shit. Right, right, right. It's a lot of goddamn meat. That's a ton of meat. Yeah. We went to, there was a place when I was a child, I just remember this because it scarred me for life and hence I became a vegetarian. But we walked in and it was that kind of stuff. Swear to you, tiger. Um, Yeah. Like crazy. Bull bull testicle. There you go. Like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, five star, like Michelin, blah, 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 all that stuff. I'm like- What's going on? The only the craziest shit I've had. I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee at a at a, a music festival. Ironically, ironically, uh, they had Gator. Gator. Oh yeah. Well, they uh, have they had Gator. Shark there, and I was surprised. Oh sure. Was like Gator, yeah. they still eat New Orleans a lot. Yeah, but uh, you don't see like you would figure there's not enough Gators to kill for them to be having it on a stick. That's true. Like I don't see many alligators. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Uh, and or if a shark for that and matter. If you're like, gonna oh. eat it, well, yeah, I have a big issue with the sharks too because I'm a big fan of the sharks. Yeah, um, Shark Week is... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're a misunderstood animal. They really are. I was going to say that. Sharks, misunderstood. Yeah. Go on sharks.com. <laughs> yeah. Right before you go on... What's the meat company again? Carnivore Club. Carnivore Club. Before you go to... Or after you go to Carnivore Or after, Club. yeah. Yes. They don't sell shark. Yeah. That's You know what? That's Carnivore Club. That goes, uh, that's their slogan. We don't sell shark. That is? We don't, yeah, that's we don't. really cool. I'm kidding. Then I like it's that. Not. It would be awesome <laughs> if it was. It might be someday. <laughs> totally. Uh, but, but again, last but not least, is my yeah. book, At Night She Cries While He Rides His Steed. Funniest book of all time. It is. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. All the .coms, bookstores everywhere. Uh, obviously, I'm a genius. I wrote it. Um, of course. But, uh, is that I, Penguin, enough too? Enough about me. That is not Penguin. That is not. That is, okay. not, that is Simon & Schuster. Okay. Uh, first yeah. one. The, the, the next one's Penguin. The next one is Exactly. Penguin. That, but, but I like Simon and Schuster. I like them together. I like separately. Simon, they're funny guys I like, too. I like Simon's earlier work. Schuster's always been a little, a little yeah, weird to me. Okay, all right. Where I'm just like, ah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Schuster's got another uh, a hidden letter. It's like, yeah. why is there a C in there? True. That's there's you know, it's, it's Schuster. Uh, and then you slam on the brakes. Tonight we're talking about the life of of the special Tom Russo. Life of Pi. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear it from the beginning. Where are you from? Where'd you start from? I was born a small boy. Yeah. You're 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 six eleven. A lot of people keep people can't see it. You're six yeah. eleven. People don't know that. Or or four eleven. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in between. Somewhere in there. In between. Uh, where are you from? New York. No, originally Cleveland. Really? Ohio. Get the fuck Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Great city. Yeah. You great. Love, people who are great from, from Cleveland love yeah. Cleveland. I'm going to tell you something. I went to Ohio State there. Oh, you did? I did. No way, bro. So, yeah. So, oh, so you know. Half of, yeah, half of uh, yeah. my friends were from Cleveland. Yeah. And they, if, if you're from Cleveland, they love Cleveland. It's a, but it's also, too, like, it has had such a resurgence in the last couple of years. It has. Obviously, beyond LeBron. the sports team. But beyond that. It's like, it's one of those, I'll, I'll give you the lowdown, it's not, I'm not, you know, totally historically accurate here, but I will give you points. At the turn of the century, sure, it was the richest city in the country, because it's right there in the middle of the Rust Belt, and it was the steel industry, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There was so much money in Cleveland, Ohio. It was bananas. And if you've never been there, I, I can prove it to you. I just watched a documentary on it, by the way. You did? They did. Uh, they what did one on, on, ironically, ESPN. Uh, about uh, about the city of Cleveland. Wow. Um, it was called Believe Believe Land, I believe. Um, and uh, oh, it talks about how rich it was. Oh my god! And then it all got, went away. It all went away. All went yeah. away. It got super poor. Super duper. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like all. You know. I mean, look and at all its they neighbor, had was sports. Yeah. Its neighbor was Detroit. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Boy. It just annihilated, and then it is all of a not all of a sudden, but in the last like five to ten years, it's made this resurgence. You cannot. Sports. Yeah, but it's not only that. I'll tell you what. It's okay. you cannot get an apartment downtown. 
Because, no. see, here's what happened. You're right. Let me get back to my point. It, you had, it was that rich and then it lost it all. And it became one of those small towns in the country where everything went suburban. Yeah. So, you know, which is very different from Los Angeles, but the urban went suburban. And so the downtown, no one lived in. Well, what happens then generations patch and, and then everybody wants to go urban again. Everybody wants to go downtown. Now you go downtown, it's this tiny little place. You cannot get an apartment, a condo, no nothing. The real estate's super jacked. A lot it's of crazy. cities are like that now. Yeah. Know. yeah. Banana. And the other thing that happened in Cleveland, and this is fascinating, is that it has two... Uh, with University Hospital and Cleveland Clinic, two of the best hospitals in the country. And the weird thing about this factor is that um, hospitalization in medicine is becoming like, uh, uh, how do I describe it? Like a non-location driven industry where people will fly in from all over the world to get, you know, serious operations. They do this and there's a Cleveland Clinic as a, for instance, is like the heart capital of the world and um my my father was very ill spent a, um spent a lot of time in the clinic and there were like a literally heart no you- no he was just he was just sick but there were literally there was a prince in from saudi a princess sorry from saudi arabia that came in to get her heart um uh her heart operation done sure. and she friggin rented out like two floors was in the Kim hospital Kardashian? Um, no, it was her, here was her cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Shep Kardashian. Shep. Good old Shep. Sheppy. Sheppy Sheppy Kardashian. Sheppy Kardashian. I got her to laugh. I know. You can hear the, the, the jablers chuckling off screen like a little tiny squirrel. Shepard. Uh, Mm. Sheppy. Shep Kardashian. Anyway, I digress. Uh, no, but, but any, anything to do with the heart? There's a man named Chuck who is the heart specialist of Ohio. Really? Yes. Yep. And he, he does these commercials in Ohio, and it's a beating heart, and it says, uh, <laughs> would you trust your heart in his hands? <laughs> Everyone else has. And it's like Chuck, whatever his last name is, and it's like, oh, God. Uh, look at that. Here goes Chuck. There goes Chuck. <laughs> when you do interviews yes. in a studio like this, yes. you're going to get sound effects you that are. come out of nowhere. And you're going to say to yourself at home, Oh my God! Is my house haunted? Is this a spooky ghost? Or are we in a recording studio with a bunch of sound effects? With sound effects handy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you're a young man. You're from Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. What makes you want to get into music? I was just one of those kids with the rock band in my basement. What was the name of your first band? Playing Godzilla. Uh, remember that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah come on. Yeah. Um, what, ironic- what was the name of your first band? We, I always ask this question to people. I'm always curious. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, my, I'll put it this way. My last buddy, when I asked him, they were Blind Story, and I was like, "Your oh, name is Blind really Story. How do you read them?" Gene Dietalevi was the guitarist, and he had a flying V. These are the things I remember. Um, but you don't remember the name of your first I band? I don't remember that. No, have- he. This was the band, and we were a trio. And the first gig we played, we were playing songs like that, like, you know, Godzilla. And we were trying to do like, you know, I don't know. Um, but you had to say, hey, guys, hey, Cleveland, we're Black, Black we're Sabbath. X. No, no, it wasn't. Hey, Cleveland. Let me explain something. I was 15 <laughs> and we were playing like a local country club, like somebody's friend hired us to play like, uh, you know, a little party at a like a you know a, a golfing country club. He's like, what the heck is this terrible band doing That's here? That's great though. It was awesome. What was it was the, awesome and ridiculous. I can't no remember name. the name. No name of the band. Oh, it's gonna come to me, man. 
was going to come in. There was, but there was some raunchy ones. That's a big ones. deal. That was, what well, was a big deal? Being in that, that. Being in a band. Oh, being in a band was a blast. Naming the band being, is always a big deal. Yeah. Whenever bands come together and it's just yeah. like, how did you name your band? Man, here's how, and everybody's got a gritty, raw story about how you named your band. Totally. And you don't have that. Yes. I got, well, no, I got others. There was a million bands in my life. But so, the first one's the best. Yes. Like, that's your first Yeah, band. yeah, I guess. Your cherries popped. Yeah. But, um, or I got one that'll make up for the fact that I can't remember it. But when I was in college, yeah. I was in a phenomenal band because, you know, we'll get to my college years um, in a minute. But to what the was, likes what, of. What was the name of it? This is what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. To the likes of, there was a kid in, uh, playing keyboards in the band named Lionel Cole who was the grandson of, yes, Nat King Cole. Really? Yes. Um, one of the girls singing the band was a woman named Sarah Fisterer, who was the first chick to sing uh, Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Jesus. They, they were pimps. Yeah. Like, this was a sick band. And we were called, um, it was sort of, I, I didn't MD it, but I put the band together, so right. we were called, ready, Little T and, Little the, T. and the Bags. Little T in the back. Yes. Why little T in the back? Because I was the little T. And who were the backs? The rest of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> it is the worst name for a band ever. Oh, of all time. Yeah. Let's that not, is, let's that not is mince it. words. Like, it's yeah, a, it's not, a horrible it's, name. It is the worst. I, little who T was in the, the back. I was like, man, I want to be one of the bags. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was rough. Uh, what, I was, what's, uh, what college you go to? I went to Northwestern University. Oh, you did? I went to Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. All Big exactly. Ten. Yeah, Big Ten. Boom, Big Ten. Big Ten. Yeah, I left Cleveland, Ohio with big aspira- big aspirations for a big city. Yeah. You know. Um, Chicago. That's right. Windy. Windy city. Windy. Windy. Windy, windy. That's great a, city. That's hard on sound. It's a great city. I love Chicago. Yeah, great city. Don't you wish you could move back to Chicago? Um, I don't. Really? Um, well, no, maybe it, there's a little bit. Every time I go back, we I get visit. a little bit. We visit. Yeah. Every time you go there... It's just one of those magical cities where you go and you're like, fuck, it's I don't misty. want to leave. Let's just, yeah. get a, let's just get a brownstone and just call totally. it Totally. Well, my sister still lives there, so it's great. I go visit and we have the family hang and it's and it's cool. And I do like it. Um, but the winters, man. Oh, boy. It's it's something else, isn't it? It's brutal. It's, pro- it's, it's, it's one of the worst. It's because pretty the, bad. Because the wind is coming down off the lake. Right. So, right. therefore, it's even worse. It's worse. Then like oh hey you're in North Dakota because it's like oh there's, there's yeah. nothing coming off a of lake no there. it's physically the 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 the, the physical proximity it's of the uh, wind of it because your face is it feels like it is literally your skin is tearing off yeah. your head like I mean Aaron I, I, I can Bat- honestly Batman. tell you going to the um, the campus of Northwestern is literally right on the lake yeah like oh, yeah, I yeah, had yeah. I had a beach view from my college dorm which room. is gorgeous Super but in cool. the winter forget it good like, night sweet Charlotte I had an eight a.m. class and have to walk like three quarters of a mile yeah. to get there. Like, literally, you got to cover up oh. every... Pa- and like, they schedule it on purpose. Yeah, Because it's totally. like, hey, they don't, yeah. we, we don't want you to graduate on time. <laughs> exactly. So They're you like, spend hey, more money. 8 a.m. across campus, cool. Yeah, Next yeah. class, 9 a.m. right <laughs> over here. Like, two miles away. Totally. Like, I can't fucking... I can't yeah, there's no that. way. No, I know. Yeah, Everybody's I'm going to fail. five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go five going to go five years. Spend a lot more money. Uh, yeah, that's the way to do it. So, so did you major in music then? I did. You did? Yes, yes. So you're using your degree. I am. I'm one of those rare people yeah yeah well and it was interesting too because although I mine actually really what was yours uh journalism and communications radio talk I shows write and i talk yeah so we're good at a boy look at that yeah look at that. and osu is a good program in that great i've yeah. heard yes uh the, the the ohio state university it's great 
Yeah, um, I like Northwestern is a great school as well. I mean, let me tell you something. Um, I'm not one of those Big Ten dickheads who's like, no, oh, no, 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 no. I All don't the schools th- in the Big Ten are great. Yeah, where you're just like, oh man. Yeah, congratulations. Northwestern is hard to get into. Well, it's incredible. You must have been smart. As I fuck. was smart. I'm a lot less smart now. <laughs> um, I was very smart. It is a an extreme. It's still a very difficult school to get in. Yes. Um, but I can tell you something, man. When I went there, like my mind was blown because I had no idea like i all i wanted was like experience and like to see the world i had no idea i was going to see so much like so fast and meet such cool people i'll give you an example like literally um on my floor in my first college dorm room steve colbert lived two doors down from me you're kidding swear to god Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Stephen Colbert. Two doors down from me. Um, what Ralph, was he like? In, Ralph in Lauren. Ralph Lawrence. Yeah, he was a hardcore Republican. He, Steve <laughs> Colbert was exactly the same. Exactly. Doesn't surprise me. He actually. looks exactly the same. Yeah. He hasn't aged a bit. Like, it's funny too. When um, I didn't watch The Daily Show until after he was on for a year or so. Right, right, right. And then um, an artist I was working with was watching it once. She's like, "Oh, this guy Steve Colbert is so funny." And I was like. I went to school with a kid named Steve Colbert, and she turned her laptop around and said, "This guy." I was like, "Oh my god, that's no him!" No way. Swear to you. That's and he looks really exactly the same. He acts exactly the same. He was that funny. He was that smart. I mean, he's a whip smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Politically conscious. Yeah. Like he was a super cool guy. He he was a little older than us because we were all starting as freshmen, and he had gone to some school in the south before that and, and transferred into NU. But I mean, look. The theater, so, so he was on your floor. He was on my floor. Ooh, Ralph Lauren's um, uh, grand nephew was there. I mean, uh, uh, who else? Loren. His name was his first Loren. name. Loren. Exactly. Loren. Loren. Yeah, I'm kidding. Exactly. <laughs> no, like Seth Meyers was an NU graduate. Um, yeah. Another, you know, late yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? Anna Gastar from Saturday Night Live was on. Was... Well, you know, Second City's out of Chicago. Right. So a lot of people are like, oh, hey. I'll go to Northwestern Sounds. and go to Second City and try to yeah. try to do my. I mean, shit. the theater school is insane. Insanity. There. It's it's it's, it's the best. It's I, I would say probably top three. Yeah, I, I would say Juilliard, NYU, and then probably Northwestern. Yeah. People were surprised to hear that they're like Northwestern. I know. I don't know. I was like, no, 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 it's the best. And they were it's like, bananas. how's theater school? I was saying, I was like, eh, it's not good. Right. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Northwestern. If you're going it's to insane. if you're going to theater school, you, you go to Northwestern. Yeah. It's serious. Uh, that's why I went to NYU after Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, oh my God! Theater school isn't that good. Yeah, it, it just wasn't. Tufts is that's serious. Uh, Tish. Tish. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Tufts. Yeah. It's tough to get in the Tish. It's tough to get in the Tish, man. <laughs> that was the name of my first band. It's tough to get in the Tish, man. I so wish I remembered the name of that band. I know. We're gonna call them the Dickhead Jugglers from now on until you remember. Okay. And because other than that, I'm gonna be like, dude, Tom Russo, first band, Dickhead Jugglers. I, but you gotta understand, like we were playing. We weren't consistently played, but we played <laughs> a country club, and one of the first songs we were this learning like was Caddy a Jack. Zappa song. It sounds like Caddy it totally. Jack. Was. We were learning Zappa <laughs> songs, like Zappa playing for a bunch of white guys playing golf, like seriously. Look, it, uh, Tommy, you don't. I, I, I don't. You don't have to lie to me. <laughs> it's a really horrible I'm name. I'm never talking about this because I don't is even think my. Is it something super racist or something like no, terrible? You're just like oh, no. I, I just wish I wish is. I remembered what it was. It's it's not Tiger Meat. No, you know what the guy Tiger Meat exactly the guy that um I wish I remembered the name of the dude that put the band together because he was very smart. Ted Nugent. Yeah, it was, it was Ted something <laughs> or other. 
You're smarting at a lot of guns. No, Look, I said, I said here's smart. The, here's the beauty. Right. Of, here's the beauty of the show. It goes on a little bit. Yeah. And come back to it. I think okay. it's gonna. I think it's gonna come to you. Yeah. Okay. I think All it's right. gonna come to you. All right. So you you yeah. graduated from Northwestern. Graduated from Northwestern. All right. That I you did. got your degree. Got my degree. Where yes. does a young, twenty-two, possibly twenty-three-year-old Tom Russo go after a music I was, degree? I think I was twenty-one. Um, How'd you graduate at twenty-one? I was twenty-one or twenty-two. I can't remember. I'm off mic. Anyway, um, I can tell you the whole story. So, I um was very undecided about what I wanted to do, but I was, you know, attracted to music from the, my bands and this and that. Um, my parents wanted me to get a well-rounded liberal arts education at a great yep. school, and I was smart, so I ended up in Northwestern. This is this is my whole life. I'm going through it all. I, I want to yeah. hear it. Okay, so I ended up there, and um, then immediately I started gravi- gravitating, obviously, towards, you know, all the music stuff and the this and the that. And my parents didn't know it, but I transferred into the school of music i was in the school of arts and sciences right and i transferred without them knowing which is pretty shitty to do but you know they'd get the report cards at home and it would basically just have like a bunch of like shorthands they'd sure, never sure, know sure. Yeah. so that was it so they didn't really figure it out until they came um to campus when i graduated and we we're doing it in like in the school of music and how like, stoked were they dude what are you talking <laughs> about <laughs> so anyway back to back to how i got going um when I was there, um, this is a fun part of the story, I guess, schooling part of the story. Um, again, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but there was a program at our school, which was very cool, called the Night School Project. Right. And it was funded, I don't know how it was funded, I think it was funded through, oh, the RTVF school, which is a radio TV film school right. there, which is also a very good school. A little bit of their funding and from the music school. And they would give the kids or this group called Night School enough money to actually produce an album. That's you know, great. It was super cool. So all musicians Why and artists. Why do that now? I don't know. I don't know. It was super duper cool. In the last two years, I was on the board to, let, uh, to you know, to pick the music. Okay, here's how it went. Everybody would submit songs. If you were an artist or a band, you submit yep. the songs. They'd pick eight to ten. You get to record them. And then whoever was like the winner winner got to make a video. It was awesome. Get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, it was super cool. That's a nice thing. It was super cool. Yeah. I mean, nowadays everybody makes videos, but back then, this is like late, late 80s, was, oh, yeah, early yeah, yeah. 90s. Come on. You had to really cut some shit. Yeah. You were shooting deep. on 35. It was deep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was not cheap. No. Anyway, so um, yeah, my band did one of those, and the video was absolutely embarrassing, but it was hysterical. And, and you don't remember the name of that? No, that's a totally different band. And that band was called The Relics. The Relics. That, that is the Relics place. Like, yeah, that's an, it does. Uh, like, that's yeah. not a bad name. Like That sounds like a, like a Tom Petty band. Right. Well, oh, we man, sort of- spent some time on The Relics. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We sounded a little bit- We had like um, the, uh, the lead songwriter had a little bit of Dylan in him and a lot of like R.E.M. So it was, you know, that kind of vibe. And it was, you know, good song, whatever. Anyway, yeah, we cut that. So- Point being is that when I got involved on the night school project, it was the first time I walked into a recording studio. Right. And, you know, I was just one of those kids with the headphones on all the time listening, going, I wonder how that happens and how do they make this and whatever, because I knew nothing about it. So different from nowadays. You go online, you can find everything. But all I would do was sit there and listen to like, yes, and, you know, or whomever, like all the pop stuff that was out in the 80s. There's so many studio tricks going on in the 80s. And I'd be like, God, what is it? How do they do that? And then I walked into a studio, dude, and my mind exploded. I'm like, wait a minute. 
this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And you, I, you, with and the you consoles do and the tape machine yeah. and all. I was like, this is. It would be like somebody watching movies, and then to like like when you read Steven Spielberg's story. Do sure. you know that like he went up to Universal as a kid, right? And then he kept sneaking in because he was like, "This is unbelievable! I got to be around this." Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It was I was sort of the same way. Like I walked in a recording studio and I was like, "This is the coolest shit I've ever seen, and this has to be my life." So, um, so how do you start then? So, well, I started um, spending a lot of time at that studio, even in you know my off hours and stuff, and then I started to kind of. Um, you know, our, our, our network of musicians in the school was very tight and the people that were cool and playing like, you know, rock or pop or something, we were all good friends. Um, and one of the guys who was a friend of mine was a year or two older than me. And he started working in a recording studio downtown Chicago. Okay. And he was like a staff dude down there. And he said, Hey man, um, they opened up this place. It's a really, really cool space. Um, do you want to be a gopher? And I was like, awesome. Uh, yeah. How can I figure this out? Let me do this. Okay. So, you know, suffice to say, I had a good time in college with all the, you know, the women and the drugs and the, all that stuff. But when it came down to that, I was like, wow, I got to get really serious and do this. So I started literally working, I don't know, four or five days a week from, was it that many? No, it probably wasn't. In the beginning, I think it was two days a week or whatever from like, 8 a.m. to noon, I'd ride the the friggin' subway to downtown Chicago, go hang out at this studio, and then go back up to campus, which is, you know, it's a 45-minute train ride. Yeah, it's a little hall. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little bit of hall, and go back to class and be working. So, uh, very uh, long story long, I started doing that in my junior year of college, and I was like, wow, this this has to be like my life. Sure. So I was like, I got to finish school. And, you know, keep going in this mode because then, of course, the studio started to like blow up a little more and it got very, very busy and they offered me a job. And I was like, oh, wow, awesome. So, you know, come my senior year, I had also like, you know, it was an internship I was doing down there. Right. By the way, I mean, I, I forgot to mention that, that I was actually earning college credit by, by doing so. Um, and yeah, I mean, my mind was being blown every day because, I mean, look, the scene in Chicago um, is very much different from the scene of New York and L.A. Why, why is that? Okay, I'm going to tell you. There's not, even though there's great music in the city, it's not like where the industry was. The music industry wasn't in Chicago. It was in New York, but mostly here. Right. So the stuff that was going on in Chicago in a studio like that was mostly commercial-based music. So we were doing jingles all the time. The cool part so like about soap the, and shit, yeah. Okay. Soap, pizza, yeah. shampoo, yeah. hairspray, all that shit. But but the cool part, I was gonna say twofold. It's manyfold. Um, you have to work really fast. You have to like you know learn on your feet. And at that time too, it was under uh, a time crunch. From yeah, the, from the ad exa- from the yes. ad agencies yes. and the cost and the studio. Yep. And at that time too, it was all like live players. So by nine a.m., you'd have six guys that are doing like a pizza commercial, right. and they'd be out. And then you'd have um, you know a four-piece acapella group at noon, and we'd be doing shampoo commercial. Bing, 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 bing. You had to go fast. You had to know what the hell was up. Blah blah. blah. And little did I know. I was not only getting the greatest education in the studio, but I was getting like an even more musical education 
on my feet because, you know, I had studied arranging and all this other stuff. But these guys, they had to work really, really fast, these producers and writers. Sure. You know, it was like crazy fast. So, you know, mentoring under these type of cats, even though it seems silly because you're just making, an, you know, a new Stouffer's commercial or something. Yeah. It was incredibly educational for a little twenty-year-old kid to like. But be, not only that, for a twenty-year-old kid doing Stouffer's commercials, like God, yeah. at twenty, doing like me, my Stouffer's game at twenty was strong. Yeah, was it? Oh, I get, I get it. I could sto- I, I could. I could go. I could go four Stouffer's. I get it. I could go four Stouffer's pizza at twenty. <laughs> so like, not yeah. only are you yeah. eating, yeah, w- your your nights, but you're then you're you're playing out your dreams in the day. Like I get exactly. it. Yeah, you're recording your exactly. heroes. Exactly. You're yeah. recording your heroes. That's that. It. That to me would have been like recording the Rolling Stones in college. Of like, oh man, you want me to do Stouffer's? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> The sky, the, the roof is the ceiling. This That's is it. as big as I can dream, That's Dad. It, baby. As big as I can dream. I'm doing Stouffer's. <laughs> so after yeah. Chicago, what makes unreasonable. you say, "Hey, all right"? So I, wanna, I did I that. Jump I'll to tell you exactly how that is. I did that for about a year or two, and as cool as it was, yeah. I knew that that wasn't, you know. You I, knew that making Stouffer's jingles wasn't the way to the top. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I shouldn't insult that because it's a great business, and I've got dear friends that you know make insane livings. And in, look, I'm not insulting. Yeah, him I got a buddy who does it as well. Absolutely, he he banks, and he's just like, oh my Yo. god, yeah. especially nowadays. It's like, you know, the music that comes out on it, I mean, creatively speaking, is phenomenal. Yeah. Like these, some of these car commercials, blah, blah, blah. Um, even though they're mostly licensed music now. Whoever, But whoever did the Bell and the Taco Bell commercial? Hi. Mind-altering. Yeah, yeah. right? That dong. And look, I, I, I know a lot of dong. Boom. You know what I'm saying? That dong, I remember the rest of my... If you played that, it'd be like Taco Bell. Yeah. It's fucking Taco right. Bell. I don't even need to hear your fucking Chalupa commercial. <laughs> exactly. I know that Bell. <laughs> And I know it's all I about. need. Boom. Whoever that guy is, build him a fucking statue. Exactly. On whatever he's on. Holding a taco. Whatever that is. Yeah. Oh, that, it's a, it's a yeah. special dong. I get it. It's a special dong. <laughs> it is very special. So you go to oh, LA. My. So um, I realized that I wanted a bigger, you know, I wanted bigger a big, bigger, bigger playing field. Angeles. Bigger playing field. So as luck would have it, and I was blessed with these guys, a couple of the, the, uh, Producers I was working with a lot there, I was like, guys, you know, and they were my elder statesmen and mentoring under them. And I learned so much from them. Yeah. Great, great, super talents. I can name these cats. I was like, hey, do you know anybody in L.A. that I can meet with? I want to go visit there and see if I can get going. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we know some dudes. Um, they introduced me to a fellow named Alan Meyerson who's an absolute, he's a legend. He was a legend in, in, um, in the record business for a long time. Now he does every, like the biggest movies out there. He's a mixer for all like Sound the mixer, big scores, yeah. the yep. big scores yep. and stuff, all Hans Zimmer stuff. He's, he's a legend. Dude, and Zimmer is playing Coachella, by the way. I year. heard. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. I love it. Hans Zimmer is at Coachella I love year. it. He's going to bring his camp and oh, like- He's going to yeah. bring the full orchestra. Yeah, of course. It's going to be the whole yeah, shit, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, he Imagine was- Imagine being high at Hans Zimmer at Coachella. Awesome. Imagine being on, awesome. on, on pure MDMA. Right. Coachella. Yeah. Zimmer. I where you're just get like, it. where were you? Can I ask you, why doesn't, let's hit pause on my story. Why doesn't he come up with his own, like, you know, boutique drug and just call it Zimmer? Zimmer. Straight Zimmer. Exactly. Straight Zimmer. I, you know what? I want him to sell scores for people's life. So that way it's like, oh, hey, how is your life? I, like on based on a salary level. 
Yeah. So it's like, all right, if you make between forty-five and sixty k, yeah. this is your life score. So all of your videos, all of your Instagram, all of your shit is is one score. If you're super rich, yeah, it's yeah. it's just a lot of strings. It's, and, lot, it's rich. Yeah. yeah. Choir. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Harps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got timpani. Yeah. But yeah. you're looking at one fifty k over, and it's yeah. like, dude, you. It's a it's That's a higher. It. Yeah. Level of score for your life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have Zimmer score your life. <laughs> if you're super poor, it's just it's just that. that and then noise. you get to the upper echelon. You get to the upper echelon. You get to you get, you get to listen to your score and take the drug Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah. Or what an idea. Zimmer brings his orchestra in on the bidet because you've got a bidet if you're that rich. Yeah, of course. And Zimmer's just playing you out where it's just like, oh man, I could. Because here's yeah, the thing. Good point. Imagine, imagine you don't have a cell phone on the toilet. You don't need it. You got Zimmer. Yeah. Zimmer's just Zimmer. playing you through. And he's like, he goes, you know what? Take your time. Take your time. I got a few more jingles. <laughs> I'm ready to pound out. Oh, my God. And I can play that's, off this toilet. That's like, right. Can, just give me a tone. We can work you through everything yeah. you're going through in life. I can. Zimmer can get you through. <laughs> Daddy Zimmer can get you through it. Uh, totally off topic. Boom. Sucked up through the ether. Uh, that was the seventh level we just reached. Yeah, was, that was it. We're in the upside down world. Uh, Did you know? Yeah, I didn't know. See, you, you're working for Meyerson. You're in LA. Yeah, good memory. Yes. Hot no, shit. no, I you're wasn't working. I town. wasn't working for him. I came and met him, and he, um, as luck would have it, he hooked me up for interviews in different studios and blah blah blah. And then I ended up working under him for a little while. And he was freaking. He still is a genius. Absolute legend. And um, how, how long? How long did that last? Um, well, look, it was, it was a very quick segue when I realized I came to Los Angeles for four days is a crazy story, but again, it was just, this is the way the universe and God and, and everything else pushed me. It's typical LA shit. Yeah. Because you, you can't explain it to people where you're like, you can't. oh man, I met somebody and somebody and somebody and you're like, whoa, and then you got this? Yeah. I, w- I was yeah. It literally, it was in Chicago and it was a springtime. No, it was summertime rather. I came, visited here. For four days, met Alan in two other places in this recording studio. I ended up getting hired at was Larrabee Sound, um, which is still a legendary place. There's they have a facility right down the street, um, and um, I literally had two or three job offers. So I fly back to Chicago and I'm like, I'm gone. Yeah, and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm moving to LA. I'm yeah, I got some jobs. Packing up my Honda yeah. Civic. Yeah, and I'm gonna drive across the country. Yep. and that was it. Rock and roll. And literally, like, you know, I felt really bad saying goodbye to my, you know, my parents because I'm moving across the country. But sure. that was the way it was. Yeah. I had, uh, you know, I had visions. And that's fucking rad. Yeah, it was so, pretty so rad. So then you get here. I what's got your here. first big break? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because how, how does one go f- to win all these Grammys? What's the first well, break look, that happens? Well, I've been in it. I've been in it a long time. Man. I, I, yeah, but, and by years. the way, to, yes. to this point, everybody who's successful in the world has been in it a long time. Yeah. And I, for, for the audience, I, I I always try to drive this point home. I've yeah. never met somebody who's like, man, overnight. I was yeah. a fucking ju-. No, no, no. no. It, it's, it's so not overnight because, you know, it points back to my, in agreement with that and what I always say too. When I got to Los Angeles and I was a, a staff guy at Larrabee and I was also at some other places too, I literally lived in a... An apartment about this size, yeah. Murphy bed on the wall. I had two hundred square feet. Yes, yeah. basically, yeah. I had no furniture, but it didn't matter because no. all I cared about was, was like, music. Yeah, yeah, music and working. Yeah. Seven days a week, like they'd call me, like we need somebody at two a.m. Fine, I didn't care. 
Like as long as I got food and like, you know, and that was it. I was obsessed. But you need that attitude to succeed. Right. And a lot of people don't have that attitude. Right. Exactly. Where they're like, oh, 2 a.m. I'm at the fucking club with my bros. Exactly. Dude. I'm partying, whatever. Exactly. And it's like, hey, you should be working. Like yeah. these are the years where you, you build right. building blocks and yeah. then boom. Next thing you know, you're you're at the yeah. Grammys and it's like your finger in J Lo. Yeah. Yeah. It, in that order. In that order. Yeah. 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 And then that's yeah. how it works. Yes. Yeah. So, so is, you work all these hours. You yeah, with her yeah. and I. Yeah. 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 You, you, you lost a times. couple rings. I get it. I, exactly. You're working all these hours. What, yeah, what is, working what is crazy. Your break? What is your um, break? All right. So that one of the big ones is, and this is super funny, and it, I, I guess it certainly classifies as the right place at right time. Um, I had been work, a staff guy at Larrabee for um, six months, seven months, eight months, something like that. And again, at that point. In musical history, that studio was crazy because you've you had all these really hit records coming out of there and big artists. What were and they I had, at well, the time? God, I mean, you go through the history of it. It's like Dre's "The Chronic" was done there, along with like, Yo, lot, "The Chronic." Is, yeah, yeah, that's the all. To me, that's the, by, by the way. And I know a lot of people are gonna say "Low End Theory" or "Illmatic." By Nas, right? I still go. The Chronic is is uh, yeah. number one of all time, only because it crossed over, yeah, into the white communities and changed the right. game. Right. Totally I will always the go. The Chronic is number one in yeah. my book. Yeah, for sure. Um, along with a million things. So I was, you know, I ended up working with Prince a little bit at that studio because he was camped out there. Prince. This, Prince. Prince. The Purple. The Purple. Yes, the Purple Highness. Yes. You were, and what yes. songs did you do with Prince? I worked on the um, um, Diamonds and Pearls. Did you really? Yes, Diamonds and Pearls, Diamonds and I worked and on the exact and the uh, Batman soundtrack. No shit. Remember that? Yeah, the first, dude. First Batman record. I, I am know. the Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first yeah. Batman's. Yeah. I know. You remember I know. that? Did you Jables chirping in? Yeah. Do, yeah, do the yeah. bat dance. Remember the, oh, bat, the dance? bat dance? Yeah. Batman. Totally was oh. badass. How was he? Prin- how was he Prince? was Batman? I'll tell you what. He would show up at two or three in the morning, and like just oh, up, and it. we were in a room about so this Prince. size. It's so so Prince. Prince, and you wouldn't even hear the door open. You'd just be working on the beat, whatever. You turn around, and there he'd be. Tom. Hey man. Tom. Yeah, Tom. <laughs> He just show up in a picture. He wouldn't, wouldn't say your name. He was just like all of a sudden be sitting down next to you, like, dude, what did you just materialize? Yeah. And yeah. What, what, what was he like? Was he like that, or was he like, he hey, was, I'm here to work? Or yeah, he's or was very he, much was he here like, to hey, work. I, I, this is my there. mystique, and I want people to know the mystique first before you get in the room. Or was he not? Because uh, a lot of people, a lot of people who've told Prince stories have said it was more about the mystique for them, just of like meeting him, that he would fuck with people. But I, I would have to imagine musically when he gets in a room, he's probably all business, right? He's Where all he's just, business. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but it's not even business. Like, you know, we're working on the kick drum or like, you know, everything. We're working on the track and, and like, look, again, I was an assistant at that time working under, um, you know, other cats like Keith Cohen, who was a brilliant mixer. And he'd have the track up to a certain point and he was doing so much at that time that he'd go in the other room or chill out or something because Prince would... You know, you'd think he was coming at 10 and he'd show up at 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Like yeah. you'd never know. So he'd come and of course I'd be like the little puppy waiting and like at the console. Prince would come in and be like, where's Keith? That's That'd the gig like, though, isn't it? Sort of, yeah. 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 It's like keeping the heat going. Um, And so he'd sit down and we'd work on stuff together. And it was it was very official. I remember um, 
so many little fine like diamonds and pearls when he came in to do that how yeah. close was it what stage was well, it well we said the mixing stage but even you know mixing is such an ethereal world because a lot of times it's done but it's not done especially with his stuff because he'd work on it at the same time give you a perfect example um well, for movies, track was done. For, for movies, mixing is super important, and nobody knows. Oh, mixing is super important. Records too. It Dude, totally is. It's, it's yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, not to get all into that. That's probably another topic, but um, which we can get to eventually. But again, when this track was done, or seemingly done, he was listening to it. He's like, man, it needs some like top end bubble in the percussion track or whatever. And he was like looking around, and there was a stool in the corner of the control room, right? Like here, and he grabs it and he goes, he goes, is there a mic up? In the room, I said, yeah, we'll put one up, whatever. And so I put a mic next to the stool, and he grabbed a pair of drumsticks, and he starts wailing on it. He goes, go go back to the top of the song, hit, hit record, and he starts just doing this thing, like this rhythm track. Like, who knew he was even a drummer? Yeah. yeah. And, it, and the whole the song just went poof, you know, and lifted on an oar. I'm like, that's Prince. That's Prince. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Prince. Yeah. What time did he leave that day? Ball I don't know, party. because he just disappears. Yeah, yeah. Was it like six, <laughs> oh, seven? Oh, I don't know. No, six, no, he wasn't that late. I remember him being like a, you know, a two or three kind of guy, not like a super duper okay. late hip hop guy. Um, but it was never like partying, like ever, ever, no. ever. No, like it and just. That's, by, by the way, with the OD thing with him. Oh you know, no, they no said, that was pain. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, everybody, everybody who's worked with him was like, he never, he didn't drink or smoke or did anything. He never did shit. Wait, listen to me. When you pass away with, f- what do they say, four or 5,000 pieces of projects, they might be records, I'm no specialist on this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. in his vault, yes. he's left all that unreleased stuff. Yes. That is a workaholic. Yeah. That's a man that like knows nothing else but you know music music music, yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. yeah i mean who's got time to like waste on you know stupid stuff like is he drugs one of your tops? or well that he's worked with he's and definitely we... one of my tests but i'll tell you this this is funny around that same period and this is just crazy um i was you know again had larabee six or seven months i don't know so at this larabee which is larabee north michael jackson books a room and this is during the dangerous record that he was doing. Yeah, okay, yeah So this yeah, is 91, yeah. 92. Yeah. So um, I happened to be working in one of the rooms over there on something else. Um, and they needed a new guy to be part of the Michael Jackson camp that was over there. So I met Bruce Swedeen, who was one of the executive producers and producers. And Bruce had worked with Michael for his entire career. Sure. You know, from literally from from uh, off the wall all the way up. Um, met Bruce. And, uh, and I met Michael and, you know, we had rapport and whatever. And then instantly I was working on his record. You were working on Michael Jackson's record? I was working on Michael Jackson's record. Get the fuck out of here. Yes. And I would literally. How was that? I literally had been in, in Los Angeles for seven, eight months, something like that. I had just gotten here. You're still living in in a little, in the same six months. (laughs) And I was still sleeping in a Murphy bed, like with no furniture in my place. Like, I, how do you explain that to people? Of like, hey, by the way, that's like when it. you called back home and you were like, hey, by the way, right? That I was the funny bit. On, you call my Michael pals yeah, in the yeah, Midwest, yeah. like in Chicago, they're like, what are you doing? Well, you kind of wouldn't believe it, and it was that. It was that. And so then the fortune got a little better for me because well, what was before that? What okay. was Michael like? You know, I'm gonna ask what Michael's like. <laughs> totally, every day. What was Michael like? Awesome. 
That's what everybody says. Awesome. Everybody said he was, he was yeah. a genius. And in 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 similar to the Prince thing too, it was just it was all Work ethic, about right? the. Beat. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. like you're in the room. That's it. I mean, there would be a little joke in here and there, and we'd have fun. But it was the music. Yeah. You know, it was just it was the music. We weren't you know bullshitting about like talking smack about anybody. It's like no, it's not that. Sure. You know, I guess it's probably the same when like you know someone says action and Jack Nicholson is going. It's like you know you're working. Right. You're that's working. It. Yeah. And you get know? the fuck out of my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. You know? well, but but I would say this for the serious artists. And no, no matter what you do in life, right. if you're serious about your craft, then your shit is serious in that right. moment. And right. then there's time to joke yes. and fucking do drugs right. and party and do, do the other shit. But to hear that out of Prince and Michael Jackson, that's kind of what you expect. That's what you'd expect. Because it, it's the same in other crafts like Jordan or, or the top writers. Exactly. Or, or whatever. It's like, hey. Yeah. I'm working right now. Why don't you get the fuck out of here? Right. And I'm gonna I'm right. gonna work and yeah. do and do my stuff. Yes, it's pinhole focus. Yes. Like it's just, you know. You have to have it. Yeah. Or you can't be the best at anything. Right. I, I don't I don't give a yeah. shit who you are. Like right. you might be able to shit out one great thing, but right. then multiple because like to have a, a sustainable long career. Yeah. You've got to have focus throughout yeah. that career. Yeah, you really, really do. I don't care if you're a cabinet maker or exactly. whatever it is. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. Across yeah. same with you, I would imagine, right? Where yeah, it's very like, much. Yeah. How very many hours much. a day do you 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 pour in? Well, it depends, but you know, I'm of the ilk where and I'm sure you fall into this too, dude, where I don't work. Because it's Every my day it's is my favorite a day. I know, I know. It's I my know. or it's my favorite yeah. thing to do all the time. So you know, and especially with the the beauty of a laptop too, I get so much done on there. So I, know. I can, if I've got a free hour and my wife's not looking, I'll go and get some work done. Yeah, and work on a beat or whatever it is. Yeah, you know. So I mean, I'm usually here at least nine hours a day working on something. But even if it's like okay, um, I've got a couple hours here and there, I'll do three four hours. But you know, it's also important to have a balance in life, you know, because there was many years where I, that was it. I was just like the focus yeah. got too much and then you got no life. Yep. And then, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of that. But, um, yeah, Michael was amazing, man. Was amazing. So, so Michael was rad. He was rad. And then you go on from that. How do yeah. you start getting nominated for Grammys? How does that happen? Uh, stun you? No, seem, I'm trying to think stunned. of the first. Okay, the first one. I can tell you how the first one happened. This is how, you know, I guess it's very much in show business like this. On Michael's record, I ended up meeting so many people, including. Because um, he's got a team, right? How many people are working on that? Yeah, but. Oh, like 10, lots 20? and lots and lots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but it, it depended on the era because, it, you know, I mean, when you're talking about um, off the wall and that stuff, that was just Quincy. Him and Quincy, which is crazy, by the way. I, I saw that doc, and uh, for the the off the wall doc, and it was like, man, was it just you guys? Like, yeah. how brilliant are you? It's great. Well, Michael is, and I use is because it's present tense. Seriously, if you listen, we were just doing this the other day. I was working with a new artist, and one of the one of my co writers on this song pulled up something, one of the demos that he had, yeah, from um off the wall. Um, wanna, I want to be starting something. Is that the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, wanna be starting something. Yeah, was that the song? Anyway, we pulled it up, and it was just one of his demos of all like him beatboxing and a stupid little beat in the thing, and it was almost exactly like that record. That song, yeah. He had it all mapped out 
like from his mouth and because he was not a musician, right. but he arranged the fuck out of everything. Yeah. He knew everything. Those bottles in that song, that's all his idea. You know what I mean? I mean that that dude had it all in his brain. You know? Crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. He didn't need to be a violinist or a bass player or anything else, but that's what he did. That's what know? he did. Yeah. So, you, so you finished that record. Finished that record. And then who do you meet to start? How do you start the Grammy? Okay, pro- yeah. Like- so you asked that. Oh, can I tell you the one funny Michael Jackson story, though? Because you want to kill hear, it. You want to hear this. We have all the time in the so, world. So, again, this was a very fortunate thing, by the, but... By the end of that record, when again I was like a little assistant staff guy, the the record had run its course. It was like three or four years of production, and Sony was so over budget, or the record was so over budget that Sony was like, "We're out of here. We're pulling the plug." For off the record, yeah, off the wall, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. For dangerous, the one I worked oh, cause on. Oh, I heard off the wall too, where it was just like, "Hey, it was yeah. finish up the shit and get out of here." That's what happened with dangerous. Okay, yes. they were like finish up because he procrastinated. It wasn't that he procrastinated. He'd work on a new song and then do this, and he just he always wanted to make it better, better, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sony was like, "Okay, we're out. You're paying the bill." So that meant we had to hurry. And when it when it's like you got to hurry, well, everybody had to finish everything that was going on. Well, I would say three quarters of the final vocals on the record weren't done. And so here we are with all these tracks because he, the last thing he'd do was these final vocals. He'd, sure. have, he'd have guide vocals or something. Right, right, right. But right. so while the other guys were all working on tracks, Bruce Sweeney pulled me aside. He's like, Tom, here's what's going to happen. Um, you know, Dave Way's in one room finishing his track. I'm finishing the track. You're going to take all the tapes and go down the street to, there was a studio called Record One, and you're going to finish all Michael's vocals. Just you and him. I was like, holy fuck sticks. No way. How old are you at this point? Yes. Uh, 22. At least 22. 22 years old. 22. You're going to go finish all Michael's shit with him. Yes. Just so, him and so I. So you and Michael go out on the street, and what yeah. happens? And we, we record. <laughs> For how long? <laughs> we record. They're weeks. Yeah, yeah. So so it's just you and Michael for weeks. Yes, okay. And so again, right place, right time, amazing, magical, super duper cool. Yeah. Working with him. But this is the funny story. You swept up in the in the in the Michaelness. Are you looking at it like, oh hey, this is a musician I'm working with? Because after that amount of time I was nervous. But after and the first couple of days, were yeah, you, you, it, need, you were like, all yeah, right, all right, we're, get, we're working together. Yeah, like, we're good. you get used to it. He gets used to you, and it's just like anything. Because when you're talking about a star that big, there's always that just nervousness, and they don't know if you're weird and going to be like a psycho fan, or, but you never know. I, I like you yeah. saying you don't know if if, if, he, if Michael Jackson is going to think you're weird. Well. After, uh, it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> like, there's nobody weirder than that. Like, no. He just bought the elephant man's bones an hour yeah. before he pulled you down the street. <laughs> I'm worried the elephant man's bones though I would want those come Uh, on that's cool yeah I mean look I'd want Kurt Cobain's shotgun I guess but you know oh I don't know if I'd do that well why not if you know for doing it For doing it, if we're collecting famous assassination. I want, I want the JFK gun. I want the, I want the Oswald oh gun. God. I want the Cobain gun. Oh yeah. right, let's stop this. <laughs> oh my God. So you got. So you anyway, there, you, okay. You here's Michael? the here's the funniest little thing that happened. The, the anecdote of this. So, um, record one was down here on Ventura Boulevard in Sherman Oaks. Um, we were so behind the eight ball schedule wise that Michael moved from Neverland Ranch to the Universal Hilton over here. He had a penthouse up there. Right. Because the drive was super close to Record One and to Larrabee, which is right here. Makes so, sense. Makes yeah, sense. it's all like 15 minutes away. Absolutely. So that's where he was living. Yeah. Penthouse, top of the, the top of the hotel. Um, but he had a driver 
that would drive him from the hotel, from the studios to the hotel, wherever he needed to go. So Michael Jackson, of course. R- you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. So this is the funny part. Most of the time we were working together, he didn't have a driver. He liked to drive himself. He had an ugly red van that he'd drive around. What? Swear to God. What kind of van? I know. It was, I don't know, like a- Like a v- minivan? Like yeah, like it was a, a minivan. Like an 18 van? Yeah, it was like a minivan. And he loved the van. He loved the minivan. He would drive the van around. Okay, but at this point, <laughs> they were like, no, dude, you need a driver. You're going to be tired, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. So you he, are not alone. Like you got to visit Michael. You get, you get in a fucking car with a limo. Like you can't be driving a red minivan through the streets of I LA. Know. Like yeah. Okay, so wait, wait, let me finish the story. So the the um, so the uh, the limo driver would always be at the studio with us. Yeah. He'd be sitting on the couch, blah blah blah. Well, by midnight or one a.m., homeboy would fall asleep every night. He'd just be crashed out there, and then you know, like it'd get to be like. Two, three in the morning, Michael would be finished with vocals and dude would be crashed out and Michael would feel bad for him. So he'd go over there and say, Hey, why don't just why don't you go home? Let me ask Tom if he'll drive me home. Because we were <laughs> literally two miles down. Sure. So he turned to me and say, Hey Tom, is it okay if you drive me home? I said, Sure, Michael, I'll drive you home. Yeah. It's right down the street. Okay. Next night, same thing. Dude would crash out. Michael would like wake him and say, Why don't you just go home? Maybe Tom could drive me. And ask me again, like, yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. say no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So No, Michael, I'm done with driving you home. <laughs> like, yeah, of course you're going to say yes. So literally yes. for like a week or two straight, we would get him in a little Honda Civic. We'd drive down Ventura Boulevard from Sherman Oaks yeah. to Universal Hilton. And I'd drive him up the back back way. To the entry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he had, and there was a, the um, shipping elevator. Would, he knew the codes back yeah, there. Yeah, 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 for the but, help. It, but here's what's wild. He'd tell me where to go. And it was just him and I, like, at the hey, university, like, take it, take it right in the top. Yeah, but but imagine no security, no nothing, and he'd know the way to get into the like the elevator would take him to the top, and I would always think, man, man shouldn't this dude have security yeah, and like yeah, some, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't. It was no. so low key because also too the the. Uh, you know, the studios were very, like, everything was low, low key. They were just, like, you know, behind well, so, the so, gates. Social and... media doesn't exist. Right. So it's not, it's not, that's and, it. And the, and the paparazzi as well. Like, Nothing that wasn't a thing back then. Right. So it's not like, all right, cool. We know where you are. It's not like a Kardashian thing where it's like, you're in Paris. I know where you're staying. Where yeah. I rob you. Mm. I know where Jules, you're wearing. You don't know where these people are. You never did. And by the way, the mystery of all of that is, is so much more exciting. Yeah. Back then, than it is now, because now there's no mystery. You there's no mystery. You're like, yeah, oh, all right, cool. Which like, is so and so. yeah, which is deep. It's really it, deep. Yeah. So yeah, and he and it's the funniest bit. I'll end the story like this. He'd get out of the car and he'd put the surgical mask on. Why? Yeah, you know, you do have sometimes yeah, see him in public. Well, well, they do I mean, in just in case, just in case, I guess somebody saw him and like he that would be his disguise. He'd be like. Dude, you're Michael Jackson. You got the hat on. Yeah. Like he looked like Michael Jackson with well, surgical mask. Surgical mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. It wasn't for germs or like laryngitis or nothing. No, like I don't think so. No, yeah. he used to use it as a disguise. Maybe it was it's a shitty disguise. Yeah, it's not a you know it's not a really... good disguise. He's <laughs> not a good disguise. Nobody, nobody's ever accused him of being like the master of disguise. <laughs> no, they have not. Yeah. So when you look but, back on these stories. Yeah. Uh, and they obviously passed away, Michael Jackson and Prince. Yeah, like, well, sadly. What was it? What, did it hit you hard? Were you like, fuck, man? I remember these days, or were you? Yeah, it, well, it just, you know, that becomes a f- philosophical question, dude. You just start looking at your life. You know, it's like, wow, I had the opportunity to work with legends. Legends. And that are, they, you who, know, they're who've gone. affected the world and now yeah. they're gone. 
Yeah. And I wonder if that hits you harder than other people. I get a, I get a weird one for you, and I'll and I'll tell, tell you why, why why I'm saying this. Yeah. Uh, I was I was on the phone with Directv, who I fucking loathe, right? Okay. Cable company. Yeah. No big course. deal. Fucking wh- yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, scro- I, I'm scrolling through TMZ on my cell phone. Yeah. Boom, and and I caught it like on the on the minute that it got released, and it just said Michael Jackson dead, and I was yeah. like, oh my god, oh my god. And the, the, I was on hold with DirecTV, and the guy goes, I'm sorry, sir, I'm, I'm still on the line. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I was like, dude, I just read that Michael Jackson died. And the, the guy on the DirecTV, the customer service guy, was like, what? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Wow. Michael, what, Mike, are you lying? Wow. Are you lying to me? And I was like, wow. no, no, my, like Michael Jackson. And he was like, what? Oh, my God. So I can't even imagine and we didn't know him. Yeah, I didn't know him. The Directv didn't. I you didn't <laughs> know him, and you you well, used to you drive f- him home at night. You felt the the entire earth went like it did. But to you personally, yeah. that's got to be a bigger deal than the rest of us. Where you're like, holy shit. Yeah, it definitely made me stop and really just kind of take a breath in and go, wow, you know. Um, did you know about any of those problems or any of that shit or, or, or any of that stuff? Yeah, I knew that he was just, you know, trying to do the Wimbledon thing and he physically just was not, you know, able to do so and he was just pushing himself too much. I knew a guy that was um, uh, working at his vocal coach at that time um, who I saw I saw a couple weeks after his passing, Michael's passing, and he's like, yeah, dude, he was just, he was so frail. There was no physical way he was going to be able to do it. Right. And he kept trying to push himself. Just it's he needed a he needed a trainer yeah before he could do anything else. But he was so obsessed again obsessed with the obsessed music. With, yeah. I'll tell you what. When really, I watched that documentary, that's yeah. when I it got me. I don't what, know if you watched the doc it? where I was. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's shit. that's what I was gonna mention. He bro. was gangster work work ethic wise. Yeah, gangster as fuck. Like, that's we what I was like, gonna mention when I saw like it hit me and it was very intense and blah blah. blah. When I saw that, yeah, that's when I started to really weep because his. In that movie, I was like, wow, that's exactly how he was. Exactly how he was. Well, uh, to me, when I watched that movie, it was a guy who was obsessed with his his work and, yeah. and the work ethic. And, and he still thought, to me at least, that he, he could get it done where he was just like, no, yeah. no, no. I'm still, I'm still the same Michael Jackson. I can get this shit done. Like, we're going to get yeah. this shit done. And, like, you guys are going to pay attention. We're, and we're going to do this. And we're going to block right. this. Right. And then I'm going to knock out these shows. It's gonna be the greatest thing the world's ever seen. We're gonna move on. Yeah. Um, but obviously, clearly, he couldn't health-wise yeah. do that. You, you just, you know, similar to, to Prince in a way. I mean, it's just like you're you, the shell. Yeah. You know, you got to take care of that first. Prince and, was, by, by the way, an all-timer for me. Yeah. So the fact that you work with Prince, because we had discussed yeah. this before, uh, Prince was an all-timer to me. Yeah. So like to hear yeah. any Prince stories, I'm like, uh. Yeah. and was... especially, I, I, I like. I'm a huge fan of work ethic stories because uh-huh. I, I believe that's the only yeah. way to be successful. Me too. Me too. Um, so yeah. I, th- these are the stories that resonate with me yeah. the most. Yeah. Um, and you, obviously. Yeah. In particular, you start off with Michael Jackson and yeah. Prince. Yeah. Two people with huge, huge work ethics. That's got to set the tone for the rest yeah, of your I career. Yeah, I guess it really did. It really did. And so what I was going to say, back to the, the Grammy thing that you asked, um, um, L.A. Reed and Babyface were a songwriting team at that time in Atlanta. Yeah, 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 big yeah. time in Atlanta. Yes. And then they came here, and it was it was L.A. and Babyface. Oh, they, they crushed, crushing, crushing, yeah. crushing. And they did a song or two for Michael that 
didn't end up on that record. I think it ended up on the next one. But I met Babyface at the time, again, in that circle. So when I finished doing Michael's record, you know, Kenny started his production machine and doing a bunch, and I ended up starting to work for him. So it was all these, like, little segues, which became... Um, ironically, and this was early 90s to the mid 90s, the first nomination I ever got and it didn't win was for record of the year on his solo record. It was called The Day. Yeah. And yeah, that was really, yeah, it was up for album of the year. And that was in Babyface. I remember Babyface. I did a lot with Babyface. Oh. I did many years of Babyface. Babyface was yeah. at the, I mean. He was at the poof. Oh, yeah. Everybody. He everybody. did everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would like, like he had more number one hits in that era than like, and it was a time where if, if it was one guy, you know, he just like boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was killing so it. So Babyface was your big break. Well, it was, yeah, one of them, part of the, uh, part of the, part of the role. You know, but I, I can tell you that, um, stylistically I've gone through so many different things like okay so I did a lot of years of babyface then I ended up um getting a call and this is a funny one um which led to me to my like you know all my rock stuff and my eras of rock but I got a call to um work on a Macy Gray record wait wait and, which Macy Gray record um the id was that the first one no it was the second one second one I get a crazy story for you this will blow your mind okay my first job in Los Angeles, California, I was Macy Gray's assistant. Oh, my crazy. On her video, uh, I try. Oh, my God. I try to say goodbye and I choke. Yeah. Totally. To- so we won't get into why or the how. Oh, my of it. God. Uh, uh, one of my best friends who I moved out with um, worked o- on that video and they said, hey, the label said, hey, we need somebody to get Macy to and from set and stay with her all day. That sounds like what you'd need. <laughs> because of various reasons. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and they were like, hey, cool. And like, I, dude, we, I didn't have any money. Yeah. So I was like, great, I'll, I'll do it. I was like, how much does this pay? And they were like, I, it, was, it was something crazy, like four or 500 bucks. And I was like, no. a day? I was like, a day? Right. A day? And they were right. like, a day. Right. And they were like, but you have to stay with her all day long. And I was like, no problem. I'll nope. stay with everybody all day long. <laughs> Stay with everybody all day long. <laughs> right. And so, I, uh, dude, I stay with Macy Gray. It's so much fun. I had to stay in her hotel, sleep on the in her room on oh, the God. floor while she slept in her yeah. suite. And, and her her hairstylist and the whole shit was there and was like, "Holy shit!" Um, I don't. I'm not gonna say what she was. I, I don't know what she was into because yeah. uh, the door locked. And once the door locked, like that yeah. was it. But like, it it it's uh, <laughs> she had fun. Yeah. She had fun. But the label ended up kicking down a door. Somebody from the label. Oh, to, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I, again, to this day, I, I don't know yeah. what it is, but she was the nice. She was uh, unbelievably super sweet, nice. Yes. Super sweet. Amazing. Unbelievably and nice. And super smart. Yes. Macy is an incredible, and very talented, obviously, but yeah, she's yeah, an incredibly yeah. smart woman. But that was my, that was it was my first woman. job, my first welcome to Hollywood. Wow. And and it was that, and I was like, oh shit, is this what it's really like? Yeah. Where you have to have a babysitter <laughs> for somebody to get them to go and do yeah. their job sure. on their yeah. shit. And I was like, oh, God. oh my God. So I mean, anywhere she went, I had to go. We, uh, she wanted to go buy records at uh, uh, the mall. I forget what that mall is on, Bev- the Beverly Center. Um, oh wow! So and that, that was period, that was yeah. records back, yeah. you know, at, yeah. with the time, yeah. and so we we went and got records, and I saw hers because I didn't know who she was, and the video hadn't started yet. Oh my god! Yeah, so wow. I was like, "Hey, is that you?" She was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's me," and I was like, 
Oh, fuck. Oh, wow. Now I, I get what's up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no wonder they're oh paying my, so much money yeah. to babysit. Like, yeah. this is this is going to be a big deal. Totally. Um, and that, that was my first job in That's town. That's hysterical. And uh, the next thing I know, what's up, Japes? That's hysterical. Ah, no worries about it. We'll keep on going. Uh, my, my, hang on, two seconds. Uh, so with 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 her, yeah. Um, uh, the I I don't realize the importance of this song, and then I try hits the radio about a month uh, later. Yeah, I'm in my car. You know, cause my my job is done after like three or four days. Right. And then I hear that song, and it explodes. explodes. It's an absolute explosion. Smash. I'm like, Smash. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, and then she's gone. She's everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, hey, was... Jables. You want to check them now? You want to check the cameras now? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. We should go to 3K. Yeah. Well, Why don't we go to 3K? We don't have to shoot on 4K. We're probably almost done. It just, it just goes But you're still good to go for right now. For how long? Um, I guess maybe 15 minutes. Okay. All right, cool. You want to grab a homegirl? Yeah. All right. So, um... Because we'll cut this. Um, yeah. Then I met my wife, and... Yeah, yeah. It was all over. And then the cancer was too much. And it's just... <laughs> I could... I raised the shot on my own. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll cut back in on that Maisie Gray story. So, the Maisie Gray... That, that, like, that was my first, like, oh, that, my God, welcome to superstardom. Yeah. And I, I had just got into Hollywood, and I was like, oh, shit. I, I mean, it was... That's unbelievable. It was crazy. And then I heard the song everywhere on the radio afterwards, yeah. and that, that was that, and yeah. that was the whole fucking shit, or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hollywood is such a funny place because it's so... I'm not going to say anything that incredibly smart, but it's so interdependent on culturally what's happening in the now because that could never happen now. Mm-mm. Do you know what I mean? Because... No. You know, of course, the music business is such a different entity, but it's not like you'd have an assistant... Doing, you know, no, for, or or you paying know. for it, or the right. label paying for it, right? Of like, hey, yeah, we're gonna pay for this shit to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so, you go through this. Oh yeah. So successful. Yeah, and I ended up getting called um to work on Macy Gray record. Um, and I don't remember who pulled me in on that, but I, this is what sort of changed. You know, changed me and expanded me into the, uh, the rock arena, but um. Rick Rubin was hired to... Um, you worked with for, Rick Rubin? Oh, yeah. I was one of Rick's guys for many years. Shut the fuck up. Many years, Out yes. in Malibu? Did you ever go to the no, house? Before, the bear in it? Before, yeah, the, the bear house yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, many years I did with Rick. After I did my baby face years, it's crazy. I've he's, worked in so many he's genres. He's the, the, the genius. Yeah, like, he's yeah. Rick. Yeah. He's Rick. So anyway, Rick was hired to exec, not really hired, but given... The hopeful assignment from um, Michelle Anthony to try to s- bring Macy's record under wraps because it was getting t- too too costly too, and call the brick. Come on, yeah. go in there and clean up the shop and blah blah. So that's what he did, and I met Rick doing that, um, doing Macy's record, and, and uh, you know loved Macy and loved Rick, and then I started doing a bunch with Rick, which lent itself to God. I mean, I did System of a Down with him and. Um, the first and second audio slave records and Shit. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Where was Johnny Cash? Where Johnny Cash on Man Comes Around, the last record he made in his life. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, including Hurt, that song. Oh man. Yeah. Johnny Cash. Why yeah. was Johnny Cash? 
as awesome as all the rest of them. <laughs> just, just not as he didn't have the hang time of awesome because you know he he's was older. He's in his eighties. Yeah, he was like four hours, five hours. How did he make it to his eighties? That guy. He just he did. He did. So what, attitude, what? I think. I yeah. remember that he yeah. uh, he obviously had he had um, diabetes at that stage of his his life, and they um, a couple days he was out. They had to take him to the hospital and take a a toe off because that happens a lot with diabetics. Of sure, they remove a toe. And there you go. Talk about attitude. He was like, I wasn't really using it anyway. Yeah. That's what Fuck he said. That <laughs> exactly. Fuck that so. It's good. Yeah. It's good. He was, he was amazing. He so was amazing. Run, run through your list. Who, who are the top people you got to work with? Johnny Cash, Prince, Michael yeah, Jackson. Well, and again, these better are, than those three? The, these are the Anglos. And then I started doing a bunch in the Latin world. Um, and there was why, a lot why? of... It wasn't a why. It was a how in a way. Um well, since we're going through my life story, it was it was sort of easy. There was a a very um, alternative but super cool band from um, Argentina that was looking for a guy to work with. They were up here in L.A. They were interviewing people, and they heard the Prince stuff that I had done. Right. And these guys were so freaking cool, and they're still around. They're called Ile Kuriaki and the Balderamas. Anybody that's a Latino knows them, even though they're not Big huge. Big fan. My first baby was made to them. That, there you go. Exactly. First baby well, you was got, made to I them. I mean, if you heard their shit, you'd be like, holy, holy shit, what is this? Because they were a hip-hop band with live orchestra and like the whole bit. They blew my mind. I knew nothing about Latin music. And this was the first band I was working with. I was like, oh my God. And you were you were and I tell, crushing Latin Grammy. I've right? been telling Latin people that forever. And they're like, Ilya Kuriaki was the first band you were? I was like, yeah, it just happened. They had heard the Prince stuff I had done. We, you know, had a meeting. We totally got along. And they're like, okay, well, we, we're going to record in LA. We want to work with you. Cool, great. And we start working on stuff. I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is like insane yeah their music was insane yeah, yeah, yeah. and that you know that record did really well and it lent itself to me working with a bunch of different you know artists and that's what it is it's leapfrogging yeah, you know yeah, it's but, not but it's not about you know me getting on the phone and saying hey you know it's people hear one thing and then you know they're attracted exactly. To, yeah exactly that's it exactly yeah. and then you've had this huge long illustrious yes, career long it's amazing yeah and now uh and now you get to sit and chat with somebody like me that's right this importance yes because let, let's be honest, I, I have been nominated and lost an MTV Movie Award. So, oh wow, it is you were you were you were in a, a distinguished company. Right this now. yeah, it feels that way, dude. Doesn't it? Yeah, I feel, I feel it in the air. In here. Yeah, I feel it in the air in here. Play something. Yeah, absolutely dead. What happened? Absolutely dead. Oh my god, absolutely dead. See, no see, need for it. See, kids, you don't want your computer to go to sleep at the wrong time. Ever, you really don't. <laughs> Yeah, there yeah, it is. There's the there groove. It there it is. <laughs> uh, so this is the point in the show where we get to the revolutionary figure of the week. Somebody who oh. inspired. Uh, I usually pick it. This time I'm going to ask you for it. Who is somebody that inspired you growing up? Who created something you were like, holy oh, shit. God, it changed Is it constantly. Phil Spector Wallace Sound? Who he, is it? Oh, God, he was. It was he was changed, before he killed it that changed. girl. <laughs> Before he oh, killed God. that girl. I don't, I, I, come on, let's not get out of that. Well. I, um, it changed constantly. Um, who was somebody that inspired you that changed the game that you were like, dude, this really changed I can my t- life? I can, well, George Martin did for a long time. Okay. But, um, here, I'll throw a name out to you. Yeah. Um, and I, then I ended up meeting him. You meet one of your, Billy Betrell. 
okay. um, who was a producer, and his he's got a great story. He's still making records. He was an assistant engineer on the Bad Record with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Shit. An incredible musician, whatever, and met Michael and hit it off with him. And then on the Dangerous Record, where I was part of it, he started to write with him and whatever. And I'm telling you, Billy Betrell and Michael Jackson were like Lennon and McCartney because they never really got along, but they made amazing music such that he's the one who wrote Black and White. Shit. Hello. Wow. Okay. Yes. Hello. And you, I mean, for a guy like me, you go through Billy's discography. He made incredible records. And right when I was getting to the point of like, I want to be a record maker, I started listening. I was like, this guy is unbelievable. He, everything he was doing was, he made Thomas Dolby's um, Aliens Ate My Buick, which is an incredible friggin' record. It, the list goes on and on and on. Sure. He, and I was just such a fan. And I got to meet him doing the Dangerous Record. Anyway, yes, he co-wrote Black and White. And I may add, his rap is the one that's on the black and white single because at that point he laid the the demo for the rap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they called every rapper in in the world. There was um, LL Cool J down to like every cool rapper. Get the and fuck no out of here. one had the right vibe. And Michael said, you know what, Billy, we're gonna go with your and they kept the demo. That rap is Billy doing ah. it. Yeah, and it just stuck. Anyway, he was definitely an eye all mine. Dude, that's yeah. that's the best revolutionary that's, yeah. figure of the week we've ever had. That's it really? Yes. That's funny. That's yeah. awesome. Because it's, it's real. It's that's totally real. He's still a, yeah. he lives in Northern California. Oh, and by the way, then he turned Is he around your residuals at least? Oh yeah, I'm sure. And then he turned around and started making records with uh this little girl named Cheryl Crow. I heard of her. Did Tuesday Night she Music. She dated Lance Armstrong. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she did, he did Tuesday Night Music Club with her, wrote Jesus. all those songs. Every song on that yeah. album was a hit. Incredible. Yeah. He wrote them all. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, a very super talented guy. Um, and yeah, he was definitely an inspiration. I mean, but there were so many, you know, it's, they always change. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they always change. Yeah. But that's a great one. This yeah, that's a, that a good one. Yeah, uh, for a long this, period. By the way, this was one of the funnest shows I've ever had. Really? Yes. Dude. You're fucking awesome. Dude. Yeah. You are too. Tom Russo. I want my own show. Tom Russo. No, no. Tom. 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 Russo. Uh, Tom. In all seriousness, this was a fucking blast. Was it? Thank yeah, it was good. This was a great time. It was a great time. Great time. Definitely. Uh, I've killed about yeah. a bottle of wine. <laughs> exactly. uh, thank you for doing the show. I love you. This is Ross Patterson, and, and the, this is the revolution. Congratulations. You're going up into the spaceship. Good night, everyone. Off to Dubai. Ah. <laughs> Good times.